Hi, it's Megla Neela Kunton, and you're listening to Doctors Who Create. I'm the newest podcast co-producer here at DWC, and I'm so excited to be working with Darlena to bring you a host of exciting material this upcoming year. Let's face it, this year has been tumultuous, to say the least, and it's really reminded me how important it is for physicians to act as advocates in their community, promoting health and equity and guiding care through powerful outreach and communication. So I thought, who better to chat about advocacy in medicine than Dr. Shika Jane? Dr. Jane is a board-certified hematology and oncology physician and assistant professor of medicine at the University of Illinois Cancer Center in Chicago. She also holds several communication directorship roles here as well and is the founder of both the Women in Medicine Summit and the Impact Advocacy Group, specifically championing efforts in our current COVID-19 pandemic state. Dr. Jane, welcome. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm really excited to talk with you today. Yeah, so um, I'd love to start <laughs> off with, with kind of a general question. Um, what does advocacy in medicine mean to you? You know, it's really funny, and I'm so glad you asked that, because when someone called me an advocate the other day and said that I did advocacy work, I kind of laughed, and someone, they basically, they were like, well, you're not really somebody who does advocacy work, but you become an advocate, and I said, I don't even understand what that means. Like, what, in your mind, what does it mean to be an advocate? And, you know, they were talking about all this work that I've been doing through the pandemic and advocating for, you know, public health measures and things like that. And I said, well, there's different types of advocacy work, right? So I used to, before the pandemic happened, I was very um, active in gender equity and in um, disparity work, which is another form of advocacy. So I think that when it comes to healthcare, the challenge often happens that people put advocates or advocacy into like one box and they don't realize that it's a very broad and general description about a lot of different ways that you can advocate for a variety of things, whether it's public health measures, advocating for your patients, advocating for equity in the workforce, advocating for equity in your patient population, um, advocating for the dissemination of evidence-based information. So when I think advocacy, I think it's much more broad than a lot of people really give the word credit for. And I think there's a lot of physicians and healthcare workers, especially who do a lot of advocacy work, but they don't realize that's what they are doing. What they're doing is what they think is right. And at the end of the day, it turns out that it's actually um, advocacy work. Yeah, I think I think that's so true. And I think I fall into that a little bit too, kind of subconsciously thinking that advocacy is one certain thing. But I, but I do feel like in the way that you're describing it, and, and now in the way that I and thinking about it that you kind of need to be an advocate <laughs> to be a physician, kind of, that you know, you're doing at least some sort of advocacy every day as a physician. Um, so that is a really good point. Um, and I feel like, um, you know, it, it, it could allow physicians to kind of realize that, you know, the work they're doing is, um, is necessary and is advocacy, even if they don't necessarily think that it fits the definition. And then kind of in thinking about your various different advocacy efforts um, and, you know, the physician leader that you are, it begs the question, um, who do you feel have been your biggest advocates? So honestly, from the time I was a kid, I mean, you know, my dad, my dad is a vascular surgeon who is a pioneer and a leader in his field. And, you know, we use the term on social media, he for she. He has been my advocate since the day I was born, and he is the one who's always told me never to um, to expect 
expect things to be handed to me, but on the same token to advocate what I think is right, whether it's for myself or whether it's for other people. So from a very young age, I was very lucky that both of my parents were very strong advocates for me. And they also taught me how to be an advocate for others. So I think that's where my, my desire to do the right thing and to do this type of work really stems from, from a very young age of learning the importance of not only doing what's right, but also advocating for others to make sure that what's right is what's implemented across the board. Um, as I've gone through my career, I've had some phenomenal mentors that have done advocacy, as I said, in very different ways. One of my mentors from medical school, he is an amazing clinician, an amazing educator, and he advocated for his patients in ways that I still try to do now. He would you know, spend the time calling insurance companies or calling someone's place of work or you know, going the extra mile for patients. And that I think is a really important part of advocacy um, as a physician um, for our patients, whether it's fighting an insurance company for a drug or you know, trying to come up with a solution for how a patient can get access to, to care or get transportation back and forth to the clinic. So he was a huge um, inspiration and continues to be a great guide for me when it comes to advocating for patients. When it comes to gender equity, um, I, I mentioned my dad again because he always, he made the point of me and my brother growing up that, you know, boys and girls are equal, men and women are equal, people are equal, and you should be given equal opportunities. So that was kind of intrinsically infused into who I was from yeah. my childhood. Um, and then as I progressed through my career, I have um, this phenomenal mentor, Dr. Julie Silver from Harvard. She um, has taught me how to utilize my voice and utilize my, my platform. And more than, even than that, utilize my academic uh, experience and expertise to publish on the topic and to help come up with solutions as opposed to just always coming up with problems. So I think that's a really important part of advocacy work where you identify the problem, but then you also need to present some solutions. And then more recently through the pandemic, you know, I've been doing a lot of public health messaging and a lot of advocacy work over the last nine months that is in line with healthcare communications, which is what I've focused on quite a bit for the majority of my career, but it's been spun in a little bit of a different way in the midst of a pandemic. And um, Dr. Vinita Aurora is a professor of medicine at University of Chicago, who um, is one of the co-founders of that group, Impact, you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And um, she has really been a wonderful uh, mentor for me and has helped show me how you can lead from where you stand. Um, we've seen medical students, pre-med students, residents, fellows, um, nurses, social workers. We've seen people leading throughout this pandemic um, at a variety of different levels um, in their fields, in their own careers. And so leading from where you stand is something I think that's so powerful. And it's a message that I think anyone who's interested in advocacy work should should think about and internalize because we can all lead with the expertise that we have. Um, I'm probably not going to be speaking on the same topics as say an immunologist or say a nurse or an ICU physician, but we can all lead from where we stand and we can lead those advocacy efforts using our, our own expertise and using our own life experiences. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and kind of um, hearkening back a little bit to um, to your mentors of, of the past and, and your father in particular. I've obviously you know been fortunate enough and, and lucky to get a little bit of a glimpse of that, um, having worked uh, with him. And, and he's definitely a champion for people. I mean, he's never you know said no, and he's always said you know take this and run with it. And I think that yeah, that that's really inspiring, especially for a young you know medical student. And you so you mentioned a little bit about the impact group. I'd love to hear more. And, and kind of how your advocacy efforts have shifted, um, you know, in this pandemic. 
Yeah, so Impact was actually formed at the beginning of the pandemic, back in March, when um, five of us got together uh, and realized that we were all parents of young children. We were watching people in Illinois go out out, not realizing that the pandemic was happening. People were getting mixed messaging. Our federal government didn't have a real plan in place for national communication or a national plan. So we um, started texting each other and realized this was a problem and we could do something about it. So we started by writing a letter to our governor and um, basically a petition that ended up getting signatures from hundreds of healthcare workers across Illinois. We started writing op-eds and then eventually it evolved into Um, creating infographics. And really, our focus is amplifying the voices of the healthcare workers across the state of Illinois. And now we're actually expanding to across the Midwest and letting people know that we are a source of evidence-based information that's nonpartisan. Um, We're able to get information out in ways that are easy for people to understand because this pandemic has been very challenging. You know, we've been going through and learning about this new disease as we've gone along. We've learned how to treat it. We now have a vaccine that's going to be rolled out soon. But part of it, part of the problem is the scientific process itself is hard to understand, even when you're in the middle of the scientific process as a scientist. Um, And there's, you know, there's clinical trials that are done that some are positive, some are negative. And we've been learning as we go. And I use the analogy all the time of we've been building a plane and flying it at the same time, where we're trying to implement things while we're building the infrastructure implementing. And so it's been a challenge in that sense and that people are seeing really how the scientific process works. And then on top of that, we're seeing all this misinformation and and dangerous uh, rhetoric coming from national leaders that has really hurt the, the confidence that people have in science and in healthcare workers and in really the scientific process. So what we have done with IMPACT is we have tried really hard to not only be a voice for um, all of the physicians and nurses and social workers and pharmacists and respiratory therapists across the state, but also tried really hard to amplify all of those voices and let people know that if you need a source of accurate evidence-based information, we are your source for that. We are happy to answer questions and we've done that through both, you know, traditional media. So, you know, I have a regular segment on our local Fox news station here. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had uh, members of our organization featured on Good Morning America and the Washington Post. So we've used traditional media to spread the word, but we've also used social media, um, you know, with the infographics that we use. We put a lot out on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We do um, YouTube videos. We have partnered with the Bump Club, which is a national organization um, that works towards helping young moms or, or moms-to-be. So we we try to use a lot of different mediums to reach people and to get our information out there. And so we've been able to amplify, we've been able to advocate, and we've been able to help kind of guide some of the pandemic responses within our state as some of the members of our team are actually directly involved in those responses as well. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's incredible. And as, as someone living in the Midwest, too, it makes me excited that, you know, you're planning to expand, you know, across the region, because I definitely agree with you. There's a lot of misinformation and having this band of physicians who, who are really all about um, uh, getting kind of access to correct information and, and amplifying things that need to be amplified is just so, so crucial. <laughs> um, and, and kind of shifting gears a little bit, 
you've really been lauded as a, as a really impactful leader kind of all over social media. And, and I've gotten to, you know, see a couple of your uh, TED Talks and, and conversations that you've had um, in my research. <laughs> and um, especially in the realm of um, inspiring and advancing and advocating uh, for women physicians. Um, so tell me more about that. So first, I will say you were far too kind, but thank you for that compliment. I appreciate it. Um, so it's interesting, you know, the way I got involved in kind of this gender equity space, if you had told me 10 years ago, this is what I would be doing, I probably would have laughed at you because I, I never considered myself a feminist. I never considered myself somebody who went out and championed for women. I was just someone who always assumed men and women were going to be treated equally. That's just, that's because that's how I was raised. And I think looking back, I realized that a lot of things that I brushed off or things that I just ignored were probably inequities that I had just decided, you know, were inevitable. And I didn't even realize that they were happening to me until later on when I started learning a bit more about, in general, what happens to women in healthcare and women in medicine across the space. Um, you know, I when I was um, pregnant with my twins, so I have a daughter who's six and I have twins who are three. When I was pregnant with my twins, I when I was out on maternity leave, I realized, you know, I was doing a lot more um, research and and trying to figure out how to balance a family of five now. You know, my <laughs> right. And I we didn't have plans for three children. We're very blessed and fortunate. But I started doing a bit more just reading and reaching out to other women physicians and figuring out how to handle this. And I started realizing that a lot of the challenges I'd faced up until that point other women had faced. And I was fortunate because I had, you know, my dad and other very strong mentors to support me and help me get through things. But there are other people who didn't have those opportunities or have those networks. And a lot of the things that I had faced that really were blatant inequities or blatant discrimination, I had just ignored and moved past or gone around. Other people didn't have that opportunity because they didn't have access to the same resources I did. And I said, this is this is insane. I couldn't imagine that in 2017 or 2016 or in the late 2000s that this is what we were dealing with. That just made no sense to me. So that's when kind of this concept of starting the Women in Medicine Conference started. I actually started the um, symposium at Northwestern when I was on faculty there. And then I expanded it into this Women in Medicine Summit that now is a multi-institutional national and actually this year became international conference. So wow. It was, you know, the first year I did it, I, I didn't know what was going to be the result. I had ideas, but I had so much positive feedback from women who came up to me and said, you know, I have faced all of these things and I didn't know where to go to. You've now created this amazing network of women who I can reach out to when I'm facing these challenges or women who said, I learned all these great ways to negotiate for myself that I'd never even thought of before. So I think that there's there's a lot to be said for creating these communities and creating these networks. And I think even more than that, we need to arm our women physicians and women in medicine and our trainees and our med students. We need to arm them with the skills to not only identify these implicit biases when they exist, but then come up with skills and tools and strategies for how to overcome them. I was lucky in that I learned some growing up in the house that I grew up in. Um, but I think that there's a lot of people who don't get that training or that skill set. And I mean, there's still a lot for me to learn as well. So that's a long answer to how I got into this space. <laughs> and, and I continue doing, you know, I get frustrated. There are times where things happen to me where I'm like, I can't believe I'm still dealing with this same nonsense that hasn't changed in 50 to 100 years. Yeah. But what keeps me going is I come home, I see my kids, and I want all three of them to be growing up in a world that is equitable, that 
where, you know, everyone is treated equitably and opportunities are, are given not based on gender or social construct, but they're based on people's abilities and their, their skill sets. And to me, that's something that's really important. And so that's why I keep doing what I, I, what I do, because I'm hoping that my efforts will have a tiny drop in the bucket of making a change when it comes to this type of, this type of inequity that exists in healthcare. I I really love that. And not to compliment you more, <laughs> but I, I think my my favorite um part of the way that you are an advocate is that it's so natural. You just you see something that you feel like needs to be fixed or needs to be changed and improved on and you you do it or you see nothing and, and you say that something needs to be there. And I think that is such a powerful thing. And, and, and I, you know, a trainee and, and someone who, uh, you know, obviously wants to be a physician advocate in the future. I think it's, it's really uh, inspiring to see someone who wanted to make a difference and who is actually doing that. Um, and, and so kind of in that vein, I would want to ask as my last question for, for a trainee or, or really for anyone in, at any level of medicine who wants to be more of an advocate, um, what are some kind of parting words that you'd have for them? So the thing I will tell you is there are so many ways to get involved as an advocate. And, and you know, it could be as something as simple as, again, advocating for your patients. My med students are so key when it comes to advocating for our patients. You know, there'll be some issue that comes up that, you know, I might not have time to deal with. And my med student, mm-hmm. they, they take it on and they take care of it. And my patients get better care because of it. So that is a simple way for as a med student to be an advocate in, in one way. Now, if you're interested in being getting involved in advocacy, you know, at the national level or even in the local level, whether it's through government politics or whether it's through, you know, public health messaging, what I recommend is finding the people who are doing the work that you think is important or the work that you want to get involved in and reach out to them, whether it's through social media or through email, send them a quick message and say, you know, I really am inspired by you. I love what you do. Do you have any ideas of how I can get involved? I know um, when I was a medical student, AMSA did quite a bit of advocacy mm-hmm. work. Um, I went to the Hill. I went to DC. I was AMSA. I was AMSA co-president of my medical school class, and so we went and did lobbying in, in DC. So I know AMSA has a great system set up for that. AMWA, um, the American Medical Women's Association, has some great opportunities for advocacy in that space as well. Um, but I would say, you know, really just figure out. If you want to be an advocate for something or if you think there's a problem, you can find someone who's already doing that work. Or if it's a problem that no one has identified yet and you say this is a problem and it needs to be fixed, there's no one telling you that you can't be the one to come up with a solution. I mean, during this pandemic, our med students here in Illinois have created this amazing program called Get Me PPE Chai that has distributed protective equipment to nursing homes and and hospitals and community organizations across the Midwest. And they have done amazing work. And it was really started grassroots here by med students. We have a high school student who started a group here um, about donating masks across across the state. And they have done, I mean, this high school student is so inspiring. She's been featured on like all sorts of newspapers and stuff. And, And I mean, so if you see a problem, there is no reason that you can't find a solution. You might need a mentor or an advisor or someone to help guide you, but you absolutely have that power. We all have a platform, however big or small, you know, your social media presence or your community engagement presence, you have a platform just by the fact that you are a medical student and you have some 
not only experience and expertise, but you also have resources at your disposal. So I would say either reach out to the people who you think are doing the work you want to do and see if they can provide you with some guidance or, or give you a starting off point. Or go to organizations like AMSA and AMWA and see if they might be able to help provide you with some ideas. Or start it yourself. If you want to start an organization, I mean, people, I didn't really think, I said, I don't think that five years ago, if you told me I'd be where I am now, that I would have predicted this. Um, It's just kind of, I saw a problem and I wanted to fix it. So it's, it's doable. You just have to figure out how to do it. Yeah, I mean, you have honestly really left me thoroughly inspired. Um, and I'm really, really happy that, that I got the chance to speak with you truly. Uh, <laughs> so thank you so much. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me on. I think that all the work that you're doing is great. And I think that you are going to be a rising star as we see your medical oh. career take off. So <laughs> thank you for having me on. And, you know, I just, I encourage you to continue to be inspired and to continue doing what you think is, is right and advocate in whatever way you think is important for you. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe, tell a friend, leave a review. We would love to hear from you. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at doctorswhocreate at gmail.com. Or tweet us at doctorscreate. Or check out our website, doctorswhocreate.com, to listen to our podcast episodes and also to check out other articles and profiles of physicians who are creative. Intro music brought to you by the band Night Float.